Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the Senate is looking to move on a massive semiconductor bill. Number two, the White House is warning about COVID money. And number three, a NOMS update. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We have some news at the top of Punchbowl News AM about a massive semiconductor bill and how the Senate is looking to move forward on it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're talking about uh, the bill that has about 300 names. Uh, it start. Let's just call it the CHIPS bill. Uh, I think Joe Biden has changed the name of this bill to be the Bipartisan Innovation Act. This is a bill to combat the, the technological rise of China. It's a massive piece of legislation that boosts research and development, U.S. chip manufacturing, super critical during a um, uh, supply chain crisis. We've talked to, a, to uh, a lot of people about this, but also Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, a, uh, the, the, who is the key person in the administration on this. Anyway, let's get to the news here. Um, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are in discussions to create a uh, to design the conference committee that is going to come up with a final resolution on this piece of legislation. What does that mean? That means that in a 50 50 Senate, there aren't usually in uh, a normal Senate where it's 54 46 or 60 40 or whatever. There's a clear majority, <laughs> a clear majority. There would be a um, there would be some sort of it, it would it would be obvious how a conference committee would be set up in a 50-50 Senate. It's not clear. The rules don't allow for it or do, or they don't determine. They don't say how much what the breakdown would be. They don't say what the rules would be, et cetera. So majority uh, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer have to negotiate over that. And they intend to wrap this up and get a conference committee started by the end of this work period, which is in the next month. Now, this doesn't guarantee a deal. This is just the first step to get to a deal, the first step in designing what this will look like. But Anna, maybe you should talk about this, but like this is going to be the subject of many, many, many hours of lobbying over the next, um, I don't know, couple months, um, because I assume this will probably, if it, if there is a deal, it'll come together in the late spring, early summer. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, folks are super focused on this. We were just at South by Southwest, and obviously that's a that's a conference that's, uh, you know, a ton of tech um, companies, but the implications are massive. Uh, you've had some companies already say that they are ready to put a lot of money towards uh, manufacturing and towards actual facilities. Intel was at, you know, the CEO of Intel was at the State of the Union. But, um, you know, we interviewed... Um, you know, Secretary Raimondo and also um, a senior executive at IBM recently. And there's a real sense that there's money that's just kind of being held on the sidelines as people try to figure out exactly what's going to happen here. And so certainly a ton of interest in terms of trying to figure out exactly what happens. And, and the interesting thing here is, you know, once this package is done, it's not as if they're saying like, okay, we don't need to move on to the next package, right? Um, there's just going to be uh, an endless issues in terms terms of implementation, in terms of what's next, in terms of the next 10 years of manufacturing, um, you know, and particularly, I think the crisis in Ukraine has really put into focus uh, a lot of semiconductors are made out of Taiwan, what would happen if uh, there was any issues there uh, with China. And so uh, a lot of, of focus by 
like corporate America to one, they want this done. Um, and two, trying to get the the kind of the, the machinations of what exactly uh, the agreements are on a lot of these different d- technical issues, as well as things that, you know, oftentimes there are there are implications for what Congress does about you know, kind of how do you dismantle chips? How do you get rid of them? I mean, there's there's kind of not only the building, but also the getting rid of that I think are going to be a lot of a, a lot of folks are going to be focused on. Yeah, the White House and the Biden administration are are quite engaged here, I would say. Um, this is a, a big priority of uh, Raimondo. It's a big priority as far as we could tell of the White House. Um, and uh, uh, so I would just I would anticipate that there will be a lot of a lot of discussion about this. And frankly, the White House could use a win. I mean, although they have the omnibus, which is a big, a big win that'll get signed into law today at the White House, lots of people are going to be there. Um, lots of Senate Democrats are going to be there. But um, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, I, I agree with you. The, the not only the passage of this, but the implementation. But again, it's important to kind of note to kind of note how rare this is. This is going to be a piece of legislation, theoretically, if it com- if it comes together, which I kind of anticipate it will. Um, this is going to be a piece of legislation that's coming together in the middle of an election year. And, and frankly, it could be even be in the second half of, of an election year or the end of the first half of an election year. So um, all those things worth thinking about. All right, let's go on to the number two story of the morning. The White House is warning Capitol Hill about COVID prep money, as we reported extensively last week, uh, that money that the White House wanted was taken out of, in a very dramatic fashion, the House version of the omnibus uh, bill that then was passed uh, by the Senate. And so the White House is now sending a letter, Jake, to congressional leaders today, warning them about the fallout from Congress's failure to include new COVID preparedness funding in the omnibus bill. Uh, that's $15 billion that was stripped out, about a pretty big amount of money there. That's right. Um, the The administration is basically saying, since Congress didn't pass this, uh, a bunch of things are going to happen that are not good when it comes to COVID. Uh, although COVID seems to be receding in most parts of the country, the administration says the, 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 that it is going to write this letter to congressional leadership that will say that will talk about stopping critical COVID response efforts because Congress has not yet provided the funding requested by mid-March. The, the letter will will outline steps that will be consistent with conversations the administration has held with lawmakers over the past several months about the urgent need for funds. Uh, and, uh, this is a big. It's a big deal. It's a the admit. Listen, I would say this. This fifteen billion dollars slipped out of the bill because Democrats revolted, um, and and there is. Let's just be clear. There is no path at this moment for COVID relief money. Uh, now there's a whole finger pointing situation between the White House and Capitol Hill about about. Um, who is to blame? Capitol Hill really, I mean, congressional Democrats really are not happy with the White House here. They figure they really feel that um, the there was this uprising in Democratic leader in the Democratic ranks and among Democratic governors last week. And um, uh, the White House was nowhere to be found. Whether that's true or not, I, you know, the, the beauty's in the eyes of the beholder, right? I mean, the White House feels like they were super engaged. Um, the Hill Democrats feel like the White House was not engaged. So I don't really, I, I'm not gonna, you know, we laid out in, in the in the newsletter this morning in Punchbowl News AM all of the um, things that the White House said they did. But 
what they did or didn't do at this point is is almost clearly wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's almost it's almost yeah, exactly. It's almost kind of academic because this doesn't have a path to, to success at this point, um, according to everyone we spoke to. Now, could that change? Of course, anything could change. It's life, <laughs> but but <laughs> big big moments here on the yeah, Daily Bunch. I mean, yes, of course it could change. Will it change? Don't know. But at this point, it does not appear that. COVID relief money is anywhere close to getting into law at all. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. We've got some noms updates, a historic day on the Senate floor today. Shalanda Young is expected to be confirmed as OMB director today after the Senate invoked cloture on her nom- nomination last night. Uh, Young, as you've heard us talk about on this podcast for the last several months, is a highly respected former House aide. She will be the first black woman to hold that post, and she is also going to be appearing, Jake, uh, near President Joe Biden at the signing of the omnibus spending bill today. Uh, and the other nom that we want to note, and I'll let you take this one away, is the continuing drama over Sarah Bloom Raskin's nomination to be vice chair of the Federal Reserve. Well, let's let's do this, Anna. I have good news and bad news. Which one which news do you want first for the White House? Always good. Okay, good. So the good news is that Shalanda Young is probably is is going to be confirmed as the as the first as the first black OMB director. She's been she's been uh, acting for a while. This is goes back to the days of Neera Tandon's nomination, which also blew up. Um and uh, uh, Shalanda Young has been in that role for a while now. And um, uh, la- yet last night when uh, on the cloture vote, the the key kind of procedural hurdle to getting Young into place, uh, nine Republicans voted for Young's confirmation. That's a big deal. I mean, you, they couldn't find one Republican to vote for for near Tandon, really. So number two. Uh, bad news. Sarah Bloom Raskin's nomination to be vice chair of the Federal Reserve. Sarah Bloom Raskin, by the way, a a very well-respected um, former Treasury aide, wife of Congressman Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland. Her nomination is pretty much done. Um, J- uh, Joe Manchin has said he'll vote against her. Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, both two uh, Democratic uh, Republican swing votes, rather, are going to vote against her. Uh I understand Democrats are suggesting um, that they're going to keep going on this nomination. The White House stands behind her. Unfortunately for the White House and for Ms. Raskin, this nomination is is all but done. I don't see a path unless unless everybody is missing something. The leadership, us, everybody is missing something. There is no path for her to get confirmed. So it's just about it's just a matter of time between before the White House has to has to pull her nomination. All right. Well, we will be watching all of that closely. I just also wanted to give a heads up that uh, yesterday, Jake and myself and our managing editor, Heather Cagle, uh, did a special edition of The Daily Punch talking about the House Democratic retreat, our conversation with Hakeem Jeffries that Heather did uh, while up there. Would love for you guys to listen to that. And otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.